The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome back to Bowl Season Daily. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Wednesday, December 29th. Not our full slate that we were anticipating here on a Wednesday as we sadly will not have the Wasabi Fenway Bowl between well-dressed SMU and well-dressed UVA. Uh, positive tests within the Virginia football program, as we have mentioned earlier, did end up leading to that game getting canceled, which means that we still have three games on the schedule, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Cheez-It Bowl, and the Alamo Bowl. We begin in, Bron- in the Bronx, Yankee Stadium, Virginia Tech, Maryland. Uh, for Maryland, Getting here is something that should be celebrated. It's the team's first bowl appearance since 2016. A lot of that work was thanks to a 4-0 start, but we remember that Iowa game that brought the Terps crashing back to earth. And in fact, they needed a win against Rutgers in order to be bowl eligible. For Virginia Tech, a team that decided to part ways with Justin Fuente before the end of the season, the Hokies won three of their last five games in order to be bowl eligible. These two teams are former former ACC rivals for a little bit, um, regional rivals all then now and always, recruiting foes on the trail as they as they try to dominate the best talent in the Mid Atlantic in uh, bringing them to their program. So as they face off in Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl, you know what's what's your entry point into Maryland Virginia Tech here? Uh, terror at the idea that this is a game Maryland should win. And then Maryland being in a situation where everybody expects it to win. Because that typically doesn't go great for Maryland. Because when you look at this matchup, like, I mean, Virginia Tech's an absolute mess at the moment. (laughs) Like, obviously, Justin Fuente was fired, was replaced by Penn State co-defensive coordinator Brent Pry. He's in place. He's moving on. But if you just look at the Hokies... Like Maryland had Jahari Branch announced that he's declaring for the draft. He opted out of the game. A list of players for Virginia Tech. Trey Turner, wide receiver, starting corner, 
Jermaine Waller. Yeah. Starting edge rusher, Amari Barno. Starting defensive lineman, Jordan Williams. Another junior offensive lineman, Lasita Smith, who's going to the draft. Quarterback starter all year, Braxton Burmeister is out. Tavion Robinson, another wide receiver, is out. That's like so pretty much a few members of the offensive line, two of their leading receivers, their starting quarterback, a couple of their best players on defense. Just I and like when you look at like the what was the major concern about Justin Fuente from Virginia Tech fans during his time there? The offense. No, the recruiting. Oh, the recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, the twos and threes bring back our favorite bull season daily conversation. It's like, oh, you've got some players opting out. Well, now's a good chance to look at the youth on this team. But if uh, Justin Fuente, who basically was cool with free agency and losing five players and bringing in five new players from the portal every year, well, the transfer portal all stars did not work out with enough ACC wins for him to be able to keep his job. Depth and personnel might be a cause for concern right here. Oh, yeah, that's another one, too, because Burmeister's backup quarterback, Knox Kadum, or Kadum, I think, he's gone, too. He he he's he, he entered the transfer portal and opted out of the game. So they're down to either Connor Blumrick or Taj Brooks, their third-string QB, to start in this game against Maryland. And it's hard to be incredibly optimistic about what we're going to see from the Hokies, but at the same time, maybe we'll see a shocker. Like, maybe it'll be a, a real Cinderella story where the Hokies, with everybody that matters missing, come in and pull the upset on the Terps in Yankee Stadium, and they earn their pinstripes. But it's just, yeah, I don't have a high level of enthusiasm for this game because I do think that Maryland should win, and Maryland should probably cook them. I I, I I say that with the knowledge that Talia Tungavaloa is capable of turning the ball over. Like you mentioned, that game against Iowa early this season, when he's under pressure, he just kind of closes his eyes and throws and hopes Mm -hmm. for the best. But I don't think he's going to be under that kind of pressure against this Virginia Tech defense this week or in this game. So I know the Terps have lost a couple key players, like especially at the receiver position where they have legitimate NFL talent that they're missing and that hurts them. But I still think they're talented enough on offense that they should be able to move the ball with relative consistency over whatever's remaining of this Hokies defense. And I just have no faith in this Hokies offense to be able to do anything. Connor Blumrick is going to be getting the starting nod here at quarterback for Virginia Tech. And I love... uh, I love this take here, uh, but from Roanoke.com, um, I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you. Here we go. Um, so he and Braxton Burmeister had kind of become friendly. You know, he transferred into the program and it was, a you know, he had no idea that he was going to be necessarily transferring in Braxton Burmeister's decision to leave and to go transfer somewhere else is Goodness gracious. Okay, I guess we got to figure out what we're going to do here. He went out on the practice field. Here we go. Um, We went out and practiced the day that Burmeister transferred, and everyone was kind of looking at me that day like, all right, Blumrick said, it's your time. Nut up or shut up. Connor Connor Blumrick, nut up or shut up. That's going to be your starting quarterback. I love the way that the Hokies competed down the stretch of the season, and I think that when when it's we say the program is a mess and we say that the we have no idea what the offense is going to look like i think that virginia tech just finds ways to win ugly games it's just kind of in their dna yeah 
And that's where those three and a half points kind of have me thinking I would rather have the Hokies than be trusting Talia to be able to figure it out. If if the Hokies can be as motivated uh, under interim coach J.C. Price as they were to close out the season, then I think this could be a, a, gr- a very dangerous opportunity for the Terps. And that's the thing, too, because defensively, Maryland's weakness was the run game. Like, they really struggled stopping the run all season long. So, Virginia Tech, you should probably expect to come out there and look to, like, Again, they're down to their third string running back or quarterback. They're missing a couple of receivers, missing some offensive linemen. You're probably going to be running the ball a lot. So I, I think that's going to be the approach. And I think that maybe, like, if you're looking to bet this game instead of the spread, maybe that's the reason to bet the under. It is a baseball stadium. Ah, baseball stadium unders. But no, it is a hitter's good. park. So it's, you know, it's they got that short porch in right field. I don't know. Maybe just. You got to worry about them. Just somebody reaching out and poking a ball over that fence there. But yeah, oh, I, here we go. First five under. We're gonna go with the first five under. You know, just just ride the starters in this one. <laughs> in football, those are called halves. <laughs> um, I, I give me give me the Hokies for uh, for that one. All right. Yeah. I, oh God, that's just. Dangerous. I will say, as we record this. As far as the money where I'm looking, 91% of the money is on Maryland. And the spread hasn't moved. And the spread has not moved, which yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of says something. Um, all right. Let's that's at 2 15 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Uh moving it on to 5 45 p.m. Eastern time. Clemson and Iowa State in the Cheese It Bowl in Orlando. Clemson a one-point favorite over under a 44 and a half. I feel like the odds makers are showing us. Two teams that they think either one could win, but it's probably not going to involve a lot of offense, and they say, you guys go figure it out. Well, yeah. I, I, I Yeah. <laughs> I don't – this is going to – I mean, well, let's say uh, Iowa State fans were telling us before the season began that they would be playing either like Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State in a bowl. So They weren't – they were correct. Yeah, so they were correct, so shout out to them. I, this is – this is an odd game because Clemson is one of those teams where I, I know what Iowa State is. Like, I, I have a pretty good handle on the Cyclones. I feel like I've been kind of dead on with them from the offseason into the season and all year long. Clemson, I really, I think it's one of those situations where I'm just having trouble accepting how mortal they are. Because you're so used to them being like, you know, one of the dominant teams in the country, a team that's going to be in the playoff. I mean, who are you kidding? Just just write them in ink. They're going to be there. Hell, etch them in stone. And just the way that this season has gone, where they've just been so kind of like for a nine and three team, pretty damn average, especially on offense. Like they are very much a defensive team. But I just have trouble accepting the fact that a team with that much talent has struggled as mightily as it has to score points. And now it comes into this game and I'm sitting there like, all right, they're facing a good Iowa State defense. So the offense is probably, like you said, going to struggle again. And then you have to consider Brent Venables is gone. Tony Elliott's gone. I just, this is, this is, it's hard to imagine this being a pretty well-played game, although in Clemson's favor is the fact that they promote from within. So there's at least continuity and familiarity with the players and the system. So maybe we won't see as much of a disruption as you'd think, and maybe they'll be just fine. And maybe this is finally the day where DJU and the rest of that offense gets its act together and starts looking like a Clemson team again, or maybe it's going to be a struggle to score 17 points. I don't know. 
I think Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson program um, really built the confidence of the general public by winning bowl games. You know, before it was um, the two national championships in three years, it was uh, taking down LSU in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. It was uh, beating Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. It was beating Oklahoma in the Russell Athletic Bowl. Then you get into the playoff game. You know, you go and you win in the Orange Bowl uh, to make the national championship game, end up losing to Alabama. Of course, you win the Fiesta Bowl. That The Kelly Bryant Sugar Bowl and last year's loss to Ohio State are the only bowl losses ever since that Orange Bowl loss to West Virginia. Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson coaching staff is a plus value coaching staff when it comes to the postseason, and I think that that's where I'm going back because I'm remembering that before they became this uh, Galacticos like, phenomenon in college football, they were slowly getting it done against Power 5 opponents in some of these bowl games, and so I think that that's where I'm reaching back to and thinking that Yes, they're going to lead with their defense, but they're also going to have the kind of game plan that can win a 25 to 24 game. You know, they're going to play potentially a little bit conservatively, play a little bit of ball control, play a little bit of fuel position, because especially looking at the defense and seeing an Iowa State offense that is not going to have Brees Hall and doesn't have a ton of explosive options, I think that Clemson's more than happy to win this game low scoring by one point. Yeah, but. I mean, like you bring up a good point there, but the other side of it is all that was happening on the climb. Like they hadn't reached the top yet. Now we're now once you reach the top and a nine and three season is a failure for all intents and purposes from what you expect from yourselves and what others expect from you. Are you going to be as excited to play in this game against an Iowa state team instead of being in a playoff or a new year six bowl? So I think there is that I, I, I do think Dabo just knowing him and seeing the way he's run that program, I expect them to show up and play, but I do think there's more of a who cares factor on, in their team than there probably has been in a very long time. But on the other side, I mean, Brees Hall is not playing for Iowa state I and mean, he's the headliner, but he's not the only opt out for the Cyclones. They've, they've losing a couple, not huge, big time names like Brees is important. He's, he is to the office, offense but guys who you know started and played roles on that team are out of the game so it's going to be interesting to see how iowa state approaches it because that's an offense that all season long has not really been great it's been solid but it's not explosive it's kind of a long kind of you know building together drives and that's when losing Brees hall will hurt but the guy that's replacing him drill brock he's a kid from illinois he was pretty highly recruited coming out of college. I, I know that they're high on him and they think he'll be able to fill in and do well. And if you just look at their track record, I mean, they went from David Montgomery to Brees Hall. Like they've got running backs in Ames. They, they know how to use him and they know how to build him. So I'm not that concerned about it. But it's just, yeah, the over under is 44 motivation. I, I expect both teams to want to play because I think that's the way Matt Cavill and, and Dabble run their programs. But I, I just don't know. I think that's going to be, it could be a really exciting, boring game, if that makes sense. Oh, it 100% makes sense. Falls in line with my expectations. I would also say that because of the way I expect this game to play out, I don't think it's a good live betting game. No, I don't know if you're going to get a whole lot of information from this one. Yeah, that's it. Although, like, like, I think this is a live betting game where it's like, if somebody important gets hurt and leaves the game, okay. But you're probably not going to learn a whole lot from just the flow of the game. 
Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, then finally, third game of the day, 9.15 p.m. Eastern time kickoff from San Antonio. It is the Alamo Bowl between Oregon and Oklahoma. Why it make you chuckle, sir? I mean, this is t- – t- today is just opt-out day, like period. Like <laughs> we talked about Virginia Tech, all the opt-outs. Iowa State's got a lot of opt-outs. And then we get to this game, which like you look at it, and you're like, wow, two top 15 teams playing in the Alamo Bowl. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> everybody left. What's the all right, so? What's the full rundown? You've had a good job of being able to detail our opt outs here on Bowl Season Daily. What's what's the Lincoln what is, Riley's gone? Oh, Alex, oh yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. Lincoln Riley's gone. Alex Grinch is gone. Other members of the coaching staff are gone. Jadon Hazelwood not playing. Spencer Rattler's wow. out. South Carolina. I if if we heard for definitive that Caleb Williams is playing in this game yet. I, th- my I believe he is. That he is. Yeah. Okay. So at least he's there. But uh, Brian SMO is gone. Nick Benito's gone. Perry and Winfrey's gone. Isaiah Thomas is gone. These are just Oklahoma, by the way. Uh, Austin Stoner. I don't know. There, he's still kind of. There's a chance he plays. I don't expect him to. Theo Weiss is probably gone. And then on the Oregon side, oh, their coach is gone too. Uh, he he left for Miami. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Not playing. Defensive uh, Devin, coordinator just got the Nevada job. Defensive coordinator just got the Nevada job. Devin Williams is gone. Michael Wright is gone. Mele Usalawa Amavealaulu. I hope I said that right, and I'm sorry if I didn't. He's out. DJ James is in the portal. Micah Pittman is in the portal. Like obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau, Spencer Rattler, Cristobal, and Lincoln Riley, and Hazelwood, and those guys are the big names, but similar situation to, like, Iowa State and Virginia Tech. Maybe not superstars, but a lot of guys who who were regular players, starters, saw lots of snaps not playing in this game. So I think my sneaking suspicion, and this is just gut, because the Alamo Bowl has a tendency to do this. I think this game's going to be awesome. Yeah, over. Yeah, I think I think Bob Stoops is going to have Oklahoma pump, what's left pumped and ready to play. I think Oregon might start off slow, but once they feel the energy from Oklahoma, they're going to start pushing back. I just have this sneaking suspicion that yeah, this is going to be a really exciting game filled with a bunch of players we probably aren't all that familiar with yet. <laughs> well, I mean, and just like Alamo Alamo Dome is a fast track. Yes. Like that, just like as a matter of principle, the reason why these games get crazy is because we have the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and we are putting them in a super controlled environment where they can just go out there and burn. And that is 100% something that both these teams are capable of. Does UTSA win Conference USA without the fast track of the Alamo Dome? People are asking. I think, let's see, was the Western Kentucky game in the Alamo Dome? Yeah. Maybe then people should be asking. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Listen. build your team for it. It's the Alamo it's, Dome. It's Scott Powers. Remember the Alamo Dome turf. That is what Gary Patterson said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary Patterson, TCU, Oregon. All these. I mean, we. This wouldn't is an it, amazing bowl game. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Gary Patterson just showed up to be Oregon's interim coach for the Alamo Bowl? With it, yes, it would. Just and changing shirts every shirt. quarter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for those, I'm here, I'm here to make up for what happened, boys. <laughs> I'm going to lead you to victory this time. <laughs> the 2016 Alamo Bowl was at the end of the 2015 season. For those Cover Three listeners who are not familiar with our references to the three overtime stunner. 
that included TCU coming back from down 31 to nothing mm-hmm. to win that game. And yes, it did involve Gary Patterson changing his shirt. Do your research. I think TCU is also like down quarterbacks because Trevon Boykin had gotten in a fight. Yes. <laughs> at a bar the week leading into the bowl game. Yeah, it was who was starting in that game? Because I know it was the thing Cole is Hausen. Yeah. The 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 lesson here, which we're getting off topic because they're not in any of these games, but the lesson here is TCU bowl games are always awesome, whether it's the Alamo Bowl or the original Cheez It Bowl where Mulestein took over in that game against Cal. It's like I'm gonna miss Gary Patterson at TCU because you can always count on those bowl games to just be something. <laughs> The Alamo Bowl will always deliver and bowl season daily always delivers. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson tomorrow, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. It is our final bowl locks. That means we are going to give you all of the Thursday picks. So watch live at 11 a.m. Eastern time for exclusive uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, South Carolina locks, as well as the rest of the day. And then we will take you all the way through the end of the bowl season, including the college football playoff semifinals and the New Year's Six. We will also be back first thing in the morning, bright and early, with a bowl season daily, looking exclusively at Thursday's games. And we'll continue the process on through the rest of the bowl season. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you. Perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.